Hey friends, Andy Jenkins with the Warrior Hope Podcast. We are in episode number 14 of the podcast brought to you by Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture. Now, here is what I want to do today. In the previous episode, we really talked about how, you know, deployment and combat and non-combat and service members, how when one person serves, really the entire family is affected. In, in some sense, when one serves, they're all serving in some capacity. Today, I want to continue on that. I want to bring you some footage from our documentary, uh, Trauma Comes Home. Now, let, let me set it up. I'm only going to share you, with you the story of one family today. Uh, this is the Zanowicks. Now, listen in really closely as we roll into this because uh, Mr. Zanowick is going to talk about, hey, that family has been raised and had always uh, been a patriotic family. In fact, that's probably what led their son, Rocky, uh, to enlist. Um, now, the family had correctly celebrated Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Uh, you recall those are two types of days. Uh, Memorial Day uh, that happens in May is not really a celebration. It is a day of honor, and we really remember those who have died um, that served. Veterans Day, uh, that comes up in the fall, and that is when we celebrate and honor all veterans. So those are really two different. We, we kind of get those confused kind of in popular culture a lot of times, uh, but they correctly done that. They celebrated all of the days, and he leads us into a conversation where he was talking with Rocky about enlisting and about what he wanted to do. Uh, listen in, and we'll continue picking up their story. We were always a patriotic family. We always celebrated all the, uh, the you know, Memorial Day and, and for its proper purpose. And they was in scouts and we always talked about those things and tried to teach that. Um, but the, the main impetus for him to go into the military though was um, because of 9-11. He determined that he wanted to, to serve the country but um, after he got out of high school, he was really sort of, you know, at that at that age, 18 years old, he, what am I gonna do with my life? Which path, which is the right path to take? And I said, Rocky, I says, why don't you just go to Ohio State University and, and you, you know, you can go to ROTC, you'll get out as an officer, and then you can serve, and then you can serve in the Marines. And he said, he looked at me, he says, Dad, he says, I wanna be, I wanna be a leader that's been where my men are going where I'm leading my men. I want to have been there. I want I want to have had that experience and be able to to be a better leader. And he says, I, I think this is the would be the best thing for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I argue with that? I mean right here I want to bring up Nicole Zanowick. That is the daughter, that is Rocky's sister. Uh, it's gonna be important. This is a very short clip of her, but it's going to be imperative that we kind of get her voice in this. Uh, because of some of the observations that we're going to make later in this episode. This is Nicole Zanowick. Really, my brother was good at giving me advice. Um, I mean, he acted like the older brother, so sometimes it was like, it's all right, I've, I've got this. Um, you know, everything will be okay, and you just need to take care of mom and dad. And then I want to bring the mom into the equation. This is Mrs. Zanowick. The thing I remember most about um, when he was committing to the Marines 
was the day he left. And the mom radar knew that life was forever going to be different. And yeah, I cried. I prayed as he was driving away with the Marine officer. I was in his bedroom by his bed kneeling and praying for him. I think somewhere, somehow I knew how it was getting had And notice something that she highlights here. When one person serves, they're all serving in some capacity. When one person's deployed, we're all deployed. Uh, you might think about this on a different level, completely different, but just maybe to where you could understand it. If one person in the family uh, suddenly receives a cancer diagnosis, everybody in that immediate family in the household now is is dealing with that. If one person is in a car accident and uh, let's say they're on crutches or they're in a wheelchair for a season now, in some way that affects everybody's schedule, everybody's routine. Uh, if somebody in the family has a disability, that really affects everybody is touched by that. The same thing is going on here. When one person is affected uh, by serving, all of a sudden the entire family is affected by that. Let's, let's continue their story here. When they're deployed, you're deployed with them. You're just not physically there. Your whole being, your whole heart, mind, prayers are with them. And um, life here is just a, a distraction. And I would say, I would go on to say that, you know, and even for, for us, I mean, you, you, and for anybody who has somebody deployed, you actually have the gamut of emotions and you actually have um, all the thoughts that go through your head uh, and all the scenarios. And, and, and obviously there, there's the worst case scenario that is there in your head. And uh... I want to get into the bulk of really why we're in this episode. So I'm going to play at length about four and a half minutes of the documentary uh, without any commentary. And I want to let you pay close attention uh, to that. Now that you kind of know the voices, know who's talking, know who these people are. You know, when you're at work, you can't be on your cell phone. And my cell phone kept ringing. And it was the first time it went off, I noticed that, because you can glance and see the phone number. And I thought, oh, I don't know that number. So this went on all afternoon. My phone kept going off and I kept ignoring it. One of my coworkers, I, I work in a call center. One of my coworkers came over and she said, I want you to come to the lobby with me. And all of a sudden I, I became like a belligerent little two-year-old and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to the lobby. Because I knew what was there I didn't want anything to do with. And Kimmy says, no, come on, Nan, let's go. And she had to take off my headset for me, put it on my desk. She had to take me by my hand and drag me. Nicole was at school. Paul was at a Boy Scout camp. I finally found the address of the camp he was at. And 
And about the time I found that, Nicole pulled up our pack. I didn't even make it up the steps when the Marine Corps, uh, our two casualty assistant officers in the, walked out, out the door. And um, you have that realization of like, you want your brother to surprise you. You know, like they have like at the Dayton Dragons game where like sometimes the mascot will be the, you know, sibling or the dad or the son and they're hiding and they come out as a surprise. I was thinking when they walked out one split second, oh my gosh, he came home. Why, wait, why is he here? You know, and then the whole realization of, oh wow, this isn't good. He's either injured or he's killed. And as a mom, you want to run and hug your baby girl and tell them what happened. And they, they told me I couldn't. They had to go tell her. And I know they have their protocol. So I had to stand up on the deck. But they gave her the news and it devastated her. I'm at a Boy Scout camp. I'm, I'm doing a adult leader training, training other adults on how to do high adventure. And I look up and I'm, I'm in this big room and, and there's a glass windows. It's at a visitor center at a, at a local state park. And I see my wife and I think how awesome my wife is coming out uh, and got off work maybe a little early to come out to, uh, to join us because she's also a scout leader. I thought, awesome. And I see her and she's not smiling. And then I see two people beside her, and I see the Marines, and I see the uniform. I threw everything I had in my hands through. And I mean, they don't have to tell you anything. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like what do, what do I do? I have two parents that are grieving because they lost their son, but like, hot dang, I just lost my best friend. Like, how, how is this, what's, what, what? your mind just starts going a million miles a minute. What's gonna happen? What are we gonna do? Where are we gonna go? Can't make decisions, can't do anything. And, and we were just impossible, just the three of us were just impossible. People grieve differently. I expected everybody to be a certain way at a certain time. And I, I'm feeling this way right now, so you should feel that way right now. It's just not the case. And we had to learn to respect each other's mm -hmm. place and being understanding of that process is huge. Mm -hmm. The grief book that they gave us, in that grief book, which I was searching for answers, right? How do, how do siblings do this? Two pages. Well, that doesn't help me. Two pages on siblings' grief, two pages. The rest is all on the parents, the spouse, and the child, but two pages for a person that is the closest in DNA you'll ever get to, a sibling, for a sibling. They grew up together. They knew everything about each other. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads. Um, they're bonded like no other in this world. And now as we start wrapping the story, let's make a couple of close observations. In fact, we're gonna let the family make these for us as far as practically what does this look like moving forward? My instincts of being a father kicked in. I need to fix this. I got to fix this. How do I fix this? 
where's my son? What do we have to do? I, I gotta fix this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like what do, what do I do? I have two parents that are grieving because they lost their son, but like, hot dang, I just lost my best friend. Like how, how is this, what's, what, what, your mind just starts going a million miles a minute. One of the things I come to understand is that when folks come up, they, they see us, the, the parents of the child, and they come up and they want to talk to us and, and give condolences and, and, and connect with us and not realize that standing next to us is our daughter who actually was the closest to our son of anyone during his lifetime. So when my unit got back, I believe it was in October, um, we had a big old memorial service for uh, the individuals we lost. And, and, and after um, the memorial service, um, the next morning, they had the Purple Heart service. So I was given my Purple Heart that day, and at the end of the ceremony, and I sprinted up to, to Paul and Annette Zanowick. And so all these Marines get up, and they go that way. Oh, you know, they left the parade field, and they're going back to the wherever. And so here's this flood of Marines, and then all of a sudden one of the Marines comes back, and he is running back to me. And um, he came up to me and stood beside me, I couldn't hear what he said because I had already read his name on his shirt and it was Erlinson. And I knew who Erlinson was. He was the young man Rocky's unit saved the morning of June 3rd. And so he's talking to me and he placed his purple heart in my hand and closed my hand around it and then went running back across the parade field. And, um, if you're a family that's suffering loss, a, a tragic loss of a, of a family member, don't try to think that you can, you're going to be okay and you can do this on your own. Um, my recommendation would be to, to reach out to get some help, uh, whether it's a clergy or if there's counseling in, involved like there was with us with VA, seek it out and get it. Talk to someone, get your emotions out. For me, it became understood that talking about it was better than not talking about it. As hard as it was to talk about it, I would still cry. Probably always will. This is all footage from the new documentary, the latest documentary, uh, Trauma Comes Home. Uh, there are multiple angles and numerous stories that we uh, tackle in the documentary. Uh, they don't all end in this way. There are uh, stories where uh, family members come home and then they succumb to suicide. There are uh, stories where family members come home and then they walk out together dealing with the trauma and tragedy. Uh, there are different degrees of stories. Each one is unique, but there are different uh, stories and yet some common threads and principles there. I'm going to put a link down in the show notes where you can access all the family materials that we have. And as I sign off right here, again, Andy Jenkins with Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture. This is the Warrior Hope Podcast. I'm going to play you the trailer for, complete trailer, Trauma 
Comes Home, our newest documentary. I'll see you in the next episode in season number three, episode 15. I think I was four or five. I remember waking up because I heard the gunshot and then looking out the window and seeing all the police and fire trucks and ambulances. And then that's when it finally hit me that he did that. For the next three years, every time Ron tried to kill himself, I saved, um, I saved a round and I put it in my sock drawer um, because I don't, I don't really know why, but I think I kind of needed to remind myself that I was helping and not hurting him more. So I did that to like, just let myself see, look, he could have been dead this many times over. I had just gotten back from a trip down to North Carolina, business trip, and just that night I sat in my truck and I, I always carry a gun and I put it to my head. And I thought of her and I thought of her son. Suicide is more than leaving skeletons in the closet. It's leaving a legacy of great, unspeakable pain. And my sisters had put a, uh, a sheet up, up to welcome home Eddie, it said. And uh, something happened, someone asked me a, an awkward question. Someone said, did you, did you kill anybody while you were there? And that just, uh, triggered something in me. So sometimes, um, you know, I think we kind of push him, push my brother into trying some of these things that we think, oh my gosh, this would be so good for you to open up and talk about. But what we're doing is slicing open a wound. I mean, for a long time, I couldn't blow dry my hair in the bathroom when he was in there because he would smell burnt hair. But it would trigger something in him. You know, I mean, I don't want to be associated by blow drying my hair to picking up the burnt remains of someone. Training uh, to go to war, uh, for me, uh, is nowhere near as difficult as preparing to come home and deal with the unknown. Because at the end of the day, it's all about family and faith, nothing else.